Resiste un palo Tevez. Tevez está solo. Tevez, Tevez. Tevez al primer año. Fuera tutti Tevez. and you're listening to More Than A Game, an Australian perspective on the Premier League and more. This week, Men United and Chelsea confirm their mid-table status as they draw against relegation candidates Southampton and Sheffield United. Eric Cantona karate kicks our expectations as he gets all deep and meaningful at the Champions League group stage draw and Bury get buried. The town mourns as they lose their football club. Today I'm joined by Colby and Jesse. Gents, yesterday we completed a three-peat three consecutive league championships for our, uh, our Sunday League team. How does it feel to be uh, the Melbourne Sunday League equivalents of Manchester City? Uh, yeah, about the, about the same way that uh, City seem to feel about it. They're just sort of complacent. They're just coasting along. Like, we didn't have the trophy at the pub yesterday. <laughs> it just felt like another Sunday. Probably the same amount of fans on the sideline as well. <laughs> ooh, ooh, plenty of empty seats, weren't there? <laughs> wow. Anyway, uh, should we get into uh, our moment of the week? Colby, you want to kick us off? Yes. Uh, my moment of the week this week uh, is the Ruse. They're back. The Ruse? And I'm just happy about it. Um, that w- there was a squad announcement uh, this week. Um, Milligan retained as captain. Uh, Borello, Mobile, Taggart, uh, all rewarded with call-ups and, uh, and a recall from my boy Brad Smith. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see the lineup. I'm excited uh, that uh, they're, they're going to be back playing in World Cup qualifiers um, in a couple of weeks, which we'll, of course, be previewing and reviewing on the pod. But, yeah, just just happy to see a bit of, bit of Roo stuff uh, out and about on the, on the soccer Twitters and, and all the rest of it. Mate, you're bouncing. You can you can barely sit still in your in your chair right now just thinking about I'm it. I'm surprised you, you didn't turn really up excited. in your Seattle Sounders. Uh, oh, I <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll come. That'll, I'm just waiting for him to have a good result. My boy Smithy to actually get on the pitch for a, for a start maybe and, you know, see how he goes. I guess that's also the downside of you having come straight from work, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, look, I'll, I'll go second now with my moment of the week. And it was there was a clue there in uh, in the lead-in. It was uh, the Champions League draw and Eric Cantona's uh, wild acceptance speech when he uh, accepted, I think it was a Presidential's Award or something like that. I'd never heard of that award before, which shows how often probably it just flies under the radar. But, um, yeah, look, anyway, let's just play it. Um the listeners can get it all in its uh, full glory. So what's going on through your mind right now? Uh, as flies to wanton boys, we are for the gods. They kill us for the sport. Soon the science will not only be able to slow down the aging of the cells. Soon the science will be will fix the cells to the state. And so we will become eternal. Only accidents, crimes, wars will still kill us. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Thank you. Wow. So I'm um, just thinking if you had a, uh, a a graph next week for the amount of listeners on this pod and uh, when they switched off. <laughs> <laughs> and about the third minute. Completion rate. Not good. No, 10%. <laughs> I love this game. But yeah, wow. Um, what a wild ride. Um, Jesse, what was your moment of the week? Yeah, I mean, I was yeah, I was inundated with moments of the week actually this week because uh, there's just so much to choose from. Uh, a lot plenty of, of content out there, isn't there? A lot of goals, a lot of good goals, but a lot of uh, red cards this Ooh. week. So it's sort of a, it's a moment of the week um, flow into an own goal uh, segment this week for me. I've um, I've picked out Gareth Bale's double. Um, he did it for Zidane this week and uh, scored two goals um, to save a point against um, Villarreal, but. 
Um, he then went on to get sent off oh, at no. the end of the game. Is and that a man? Very similar to the Wolves game, which we'll cover later, where it was at the very end of the game and it was in stoppage time and it was a second yellow and off he went. So there's a few of those this weekend. Um, I think the other thing I was going to mention in the own goal segment would have to be um, in the Juventus game, the Koulibaly own goal was oh. pretty... Pretty gut-wrenching for him. I was going to say, it's a, this was a real heartbreak, wasn't it? After fighting back to get uh, from, from 3-0 down to level things up at, at 3 all, and then to throw it all away like that. Oh, poor bloke. Juventus poor bloke. just seemed to find a way to win, particularly against Napoli. Like, uh, just no matter what, it uh, just doesn't seem to, to go for Napoli, no matter how hard they fight against uh, Juve sometimes. There's the breaks, though, isn't it? Football is football. Um Colby, what about you? What, uh, do you have you got a, an own goal this week? Oh, I've got many, um, but I, I will. I will just keep just it give to us one. one. <laughs> um, uh, mine is or rattle uh, through them in in quick time. Mine is uh, Sheridan Shakiri ruling himself out for a Swiss international duty to focus on Liverpool. Um, uh, many people would regard this as a as a moment of the week, um, but uh, if anyone knows me, they'll they'll know that I'm a big club uh, country over club uh, advocate, and um, yeah, not 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 too impressed with him. Uh, for this, you know, you've got other examples like Matip, uh, who ruled himself out for Cameroon duty. Uh, pretty much, I think he retired from Cameroon duty to focus on uh, Liverpool um, permanently as well. And you used to see it a lot uh, for the Socceroos in the Oceania days when they were playing mm. pretty like qualifiers that all the stars playing in Europe weren't really needed for. But um, I don't know. In my opinion, uh, if you get called up to your national team, that's a that's a real privilege, and and you you should be sort of taking that opportunity when you can, especially if you're someone like Shaq, who's who's one of the the best players in their team at the moment for for Switzerland. So not only that, but I'm like, what's what's he concentrating on at uh, at Liverpool? Like he's eighteen he, minutes a week, Tommy. Yeah, like he's he's not even playing. Like maybe he's, just happy, game maybe he's happy sitting on the sidelines in true Swiss style. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. I like that. Well, we right. Uh, my moment of the week this week. Uh, look, it'd be very easy, I guess, for me to to talk about the the Berry and Bolton uh, situation in the football league. But um, to be honest, I'm not sure how much more there is for us to to add with that. I think everything that there is to say about that has been said. Um, pretty sad moment, I think, for uh, people from Berry itself. Um, but look, let's just not hope that this becomes a um, a, a bigger issue across the football league and. Um, and, and in England, um, my mo- uh, sorry, my my own goal this week though is uh, basically just general refereeing decisions. Um, there were three absolute howlers I reckon this week. One was Grealish, uh, the Grealish diving yellow uh, in the in the Villa game, which um, meant that basically Villa were robbed of a point. Um, there was a, a penalty not given in the in the West Ham game, which was a pretty much a cast iron penalty. And then the the other one was the the Tielemans red card, which wasn't given either. And um, three instances where just even even with VAR, the referee was just way 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 wide of the mark. And um, yeah, sometimes refereeing decisions are, are refereeing decisions. You've got to just cop them on the chin. But yeah, when you're watching across three different games, three howlers like that. Yeah, tough to watch sometimes. I think the FA needs to take notice of this podcast and just get better. Yeah, yeah, just be better. <laughs> All right, um, let's uh, kick off straight into the Premier League then. Jump forward by Norwood. Robinson. He's done well to deliver, and it's been swept in. Lise Moussae will claim the final touch, and Sheffield United from 2-0 down have pulled it back to 2-2. A great ball in from the left-hand side. Robinson spun on this right hand on this left-hand side, sorry, ball spun down the line, he's on side, and as he cuts back to cross it, this pops up a little bit awkwardly for Zuma, he maybe got that final touch. And Sheffield United get the equaliser right at the down. Okay, uh, first up uh, in this game week uh, was the North London, North London derby, which was played overnight. Um, in an eagerly anticipated North London derby, Arsenal hosted t- uh, Tottenham in a big early season test for both teams. Christian Eriksen opened the scoring uh, on the tenth minute after, uh, sorry, with a tap in after David Luiz was again exposed for his poor positional play. Uh, on the 39th minute, uh, Granit Xhaka clumsily fouled uh, Kane. I was going to say Kane then um, in the Arsenal penalty area, and the referee did not hesitate to point to the spot. 
Kane clinically slotted the ball home to make it 2-0. And at this point, it appears as though uh, Spurs were Spurs were cruising to a quite a simple win. Um, Lacazette, uh, however, clawed one back with a beautiful first touch to control the ball. His second touch took him uh, past Vertonghen. And then a third touch to emphatically slam the ball into the onion bag just before halftime. Uh, in the second half, though, Guendouzi, Kolasinac and Kane all had fantastic chances to either kill off the game or level up the scores. And it wasn't until the 71st minute uh, that Guendouzi's shot come cross was toe-poked home by Aubameyang. Whilst Arsenal had a few chance, uh, sorry, whilst uh, uh, Arsenal had their best chance of the game to find a, a, find a winner uh, a few minutes later, but it was judged to be offside. So, um, boys, it was a it was a pretty interesting game. I, I thought this one. It was. Uh, it looked as though Spurs were just going to be cruising home to, like I said, a, a pretty simple win. But um, Arsenal showed a fair bit of heart to to get back into this one. Um, having said that, though, um, David Luiz and Shaka uh, were both basically at fault for for the two goals. Do you guys think that it's um it's basically suicidal for them to to have both of those two players in the same team at the same time? Shaq is rubbish. Uh, that's my catastrophic. <laughs> you heard oh. it. You, you heard it here first. Well, probably not first, but he's. Yeah, I, I've. I honestly can't believe that guy's still on the team. But anyway, uh, well, look the, the the thing that I was thinking about those those two examples, right? You've got Luis and Socrates. Um, you know, both who are pretty error prone and and not the best centre backs, particularly if you want to be a club breaking into the top six and top four as Arsenal. Breaking no into doubt, the top six, no oh, doubt Colby. would. Uh, you know, yes, they've got errors in them, but, um, you know, Arsenal don't really have any other options at the moment. Whereas with Shaka, they've sort of handcuffed them, handcuffed themselves to him by making him captain. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, they've actually got better options in midfield. Um, but, you know, Emery came out after the game and, and defended him saying, oh, you'll, you'll, that penalty is just one action. It's pretty disappointing. But I'll, I was pretty happy with him overall. But, I mean, he's, I think he's conceded the most pens in, in the Premier League in the past, like, little while as well. I think he's, yeah, he's, he's a, right up a, there. So It's a big call, but, I mean... He's a card magnet. Yeah, yeah. totally. And so yeah, I mean, optional, completely optional, but they just keep picking him. Well, intriguingly, like my my what I said last week about uh, Lacazette was that if they're not gonna like like Jaka should be the one to make way for Lacazette, and then they they play Lacazette, but they still keep Jaka in the team, and they just they they're, they're taking good players off the field to get a space for him, which is just a bit worrying. If it's I was an Arsenal, a bit fan. confusing, isn't it? Speaking of uh, of Arsenal players, uh, Pepe now is is he's uh, had a couple of starts now for uh, for Arsenal. What are your thoughts on his performance last night? Looked good in this game. He looked very lively in that front three of uh, Pepe, Lacazette, and Aubameyang that everyone's been crying out for. I mean, you see why. Like that was one of the really good parts about um about Arsenal's setup. Um, you finally got those three on the pitch together, and and they looked good in particular, Pepe. Yeah, dangerous, dangerous front three. Um, this uh, we're just saying how this was a good fight back by Arsenal though. But was this Spurs just being Spursy or? Oh, I think I think that's a, l- a little bit unfair. They do have their problems though, and I think their problems are, are structural and squad problems at the moment that aren't being um, sort of addressed. And and will actually take a couple of transfer windows to be addressed. And one is fullback. Um, you know, it's pretty telling that with Walk Peters out, Orea not trusted. Uh, they played Sanchez at right back. That that wasn't a tactical move, you think? Well, I don't know. I think it. I really think it's um, Poch not trusting Aurier. Uh and so yeah, with, with Walker Peters out, you've you've just he's the he's sort of the next in line. There was talk that uh, Sissoko um, might have played there, but they played him in the midfield instead. You sense that if if they weren't playing Arsenal or another sort of top four or top six team, that they probably would have played Sissoko there just for his thrust up uh, up the sideline, but. but it's a shame because they needed him in midfield, um, and you know it's a bit unlucky that Ndombele got injured um, because otherwise, yeah, they may have played Suzuko there if they had Ndombele to rely on in the midfield. But yeah, so I, I don't know. They, they do have issues. Um, it seems bizarre because it, it doesn't seem like that long ago that they just swept the market for fullbacks. Basically, in the in the transfer window, they just seem to just basically take all the fullbacks out of the market and there was no one left. They have a couple of good seasons. Start asking for, um, you know, wages befitting where the club currently are finishing in the Premier League and, um, you know, the, the, the club, start, you know, spits the dummy with them and, and sells them on. See ya.
Yeah, so, uh, you know, and they, and they keep sort of regenerating him and regenerating him. And, and Walker Peters looks a, a really good player, but... Um, he's raw, isn't he? He's, he's pretty young. Yeah. He's got to be. He's got to uh, dethrone World Cup, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, well, maybe that's a good point to, to, to look into who who's probably the most important player for Spurs at the minute. Well, this, this, is, this is classic Tommy Erickson chat. <laughs> <laughs> Me? No. I, I actually thought... Um, Harry Wink, so I've rinsed many times. Um, actually, had a good game last night, and he looked pretty sharp. So, yeah, you've heard it from uh, from Jesse Farmer. Harry Winks is Spurs' most important player. I still will say it's Harry Kane. Uh, doesn't dive, uh, Harry Kane. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it was Squawker or one of the Guardian correspondents. It was actually saying that yeah, everyone's been saying for the last few years that uh, yeah, Vertonghen, Lavarold, Eriksson, Kane uh, have sometimes being mentioned as the most important Spurs player, but they were saying that Son is their most important player because he's he's the uh, the biggest key part of their uh, uh, their counter-attacking style, and especially when they play against one of the, the top four teams where the, the game is a bit more stretched. And he did we, fade a bit last night, so maybe that's also telling Tommy. Once Son started to fade and, and couldn't inject himself into the game as much anymore and had to be taken off, that's when Arsenal started to get into the ascendancy. So maybe there's a, a bit a bit more than a, a correlation there. Who knows? I believe he's referred to as Sonaldo on this. On this <laughs> <part>. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Um, moving on, though, there, there were a couple of other uh, pretty interesting draws this weekend. Uh, the first one was Southampton hosted uh, Manchester United, uh, which was the opening match of game week four. Um, in this one, uh, I thought Southampton did a really good job of pressing really intensely in the first 10 minutes. And to be honest, I thought they looked like the better team uh, early on. Um, but then Man United grew into the game and started to sort of take it by the cojones. And uh, on about the 30th minute, uh, Daniel James took a uh, took the lead for, for Man United. <laughs> Wow, what a goal! What a goal! It it was a cracker, wasn't it? Um, that was the sweetest contact I think I've seen on a ball for some time. Only scores worldies, and it, today, it didn't look like he really swung at it. It just it just <clears throat> pure pure timing. Because if you if you could pick, if you could only pick one between Mason Mount or Daniel James as a a young British player right now, who would you take? I'd probably take Mount. Really? Yeah. I actually think Daniel James would be very well suited to Liverpool. Uh, was that part of the question, though? Did he need? Yeah, go it depends on the team, but uh, you know, so it was a generic question. On, on the school park, if you if you're just picking one, and that's that's just who I'm going with. Yeah, I I probably lean towards Mount as well. Really interesting. Fair enough. Um, anyway, so uh, look, Southampton did stay in the game after they uh, after Man United took the lead, though, um, and it, uh, through a Vestergaard header, uh, they managed to uh, to level things up. Can you believe this is Vestergaard's uh, first Southampton goal? That surprises me because like he does those every week. He's a monster of a man. Yeah, isn't he? he's like six foot a million, um, and yeah, you'd think that he get would him just... in the box more. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when he first came into the league. Uh, I thought, oh yeah, this guy's going to score heaps of headers from corners and stuff. But yeah, like you say, odd that this is the first one. Um, but yeah, and not long after that, the uh, the provider of uh, uh, for Vestergaard's header, uh, Kevin Danzo, got sent off, um, which was. Pretty rookie, I thought, this one. Um, but uh, despite the numerical advantage, Men United couldn't really take advantage and um, uh, and were un- unable to find a winner. And so the, the points were shared for this one. It'd be a pretty disappointing uh, result for all the Men United fans and, and the club as well. Um, it's another game, though, where they were unable to keep a clean sheet. Uh, what do you guys think is the issue with Men United's defence at the moment, though? Um, starts with Lindor and Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually thought Lindelof was having a good game before that error leading to goal as well. I was, I was just thinking, geez, really, he's really coming along next mm. to Harry Maguire. He looks all right. Mm. Um, uh, look, I think defence is an issue, Tommy, but I actually think um, their their issues are more at the front of the park. I mean, you've got you've just you've just taken Lukaku and Sanchez out, and say what you want about their recent times at United. Um, then you've got Martial injured as well. Um, you're looking very thin for guys who can come on in that final third and change the game. I've got Greenwood on my fantasy team, and it was pretty dark that uh, Ollie didn't give him the start. 
He were, looked lively when he came on. Greenwood, though, he looked very lively. He looked good, but he still looks like a seventeen-year-old playing in the Premier League. Not right? a, not a ga- not necessarily a game changer in the same no. way that a you know prime Sanchez or prime Lukaku would be, and and Martial as well. Obviously, um, they they miss him. Agreed. Um, but boys, this this result leaves um, Man United in eighth spot now. Is that about their level? <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, well, it is at the moment, clearly. <laughs> I mean, if you if you watch this game um, knowing nothing about uh, any of the teams in the Premier League, but sort of still knowing something about football, um, and you are asked to say where these where these two teams were were sitting, you'd say this was about a mid table mid table clash, and and Southampton were probably a bit stiff to only get a point. I'd say um, was it you that had them at ninth? Yeah, yeah so I, I think I'd, say, I'd, say, I'd say I'd say yeah, I'd say they're punching. I'd say they're excelling at the moment, yeah. overachieving. <laughs> yeah, so they've got. United got five points in four games, and three of those came against Chelsea when uh, when Chelsea was still just getting up to speed at the start of the season. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did come out after the game and say the strikers need to be a bit more ruthless and show killer instinct in the box. But um, you know they they might want to focus on actually creating those opportunities because I didn't think they actually created too many opportunities, particularly against against a ten men Southampton. Um, they weren't actually creating the opportunities to finish off. I don't actually think the finishing was really necessarily the problem in that game. Does it come back to then their midfield? Then we've we've talked about their their strikers or the, the lack of depth that they've got. We've talked about their defence. Is is this a midfield problem? I mean, the game changers in the final third would help, but yeah, like if you've got a if, if you're sitting behind them, you've just got a like a one Mata or I don't, I don't know who else do they have a like a McTominay or or someone like that. Like yeah, there's yeah, it's sort of square pegs for round holes there. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they seem to only have square pegs as well. Like Pogba is sort of one of the. He's the obviously their clear best midfielder, but you you oh um, did he play? He, wow, uh, you have to I thought he was okay in this game. You've got to remember, there's only one martyr as well. So oh <laughs> oh dear, wow, <laughs> you throw me with that. Um, uh, I mean, you know, there there is one game changer that they could get up the front. Tommy uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic came out. Um, oh the other week and, and said that he'd be keen to come back. He could easily play in the Premier League. And then uh, Solskjaer actually fired back, oh, Slatton knows my number if he's serious. So there's this uh, <laughs> long-term flirtation going. Obviously, the uh, um, transfer window in the Premier League's shut. But, uh, you know, scenes if he comes in and takes back the nine from Martial. Oh, jeez. Wouldn't he be dirty? Wouldn't he be dirty? <laughs> do you think he'd be able to still do the business, though, in the Premier League, Zlatan? I mean... Seriously, in a game like last night, uh, the, the other night, sorry, when you had United playing against Southampton, ten men, Southampton are just stacking the box. Even a thirty-seven-year-old Zlatan just to ping balls into couldn't hurt. Fair, fair shout, I reckon. I reckon uh, bring him on as a flat-track bully. I think they could do much worse than that, couldn't they? Um, moving on though, uh, in the other big draw of the weekend, um, Chelsea hosted uh, Sheffield United. Um, it was two goal Tammy Abraham who uh, looked as though he'd done everything that it, he needed to do to be able to give Chelsea the points, um, but uh, Sheffield United, not to be not to be counted out, were um, got back into the game through goals from Callum Robinson and uh, Kurt Zuma own goal meant that the two two sides actually shared the points in this one. Um, Sh- Chelsea, they're. They're just as much of a defensive rabble as Manchester United are at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, look, call this one a game of two halves, boys. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Frank's still not um, happy with his defence, clearly um, experimenting again, giving um, rolling the dice, actually, on one of his other trusted Derby loanies, uh, Fakayo Tomori, um, giving him a go um, at the expense of Christensen. Um, and yeah, safe to say that 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 experiment's still going. But um, the, the other the other thing to remember in their backline is Aspilicueta, who was arguably at fault for both of the goals. Um, yeah, really not looking up to it at fullback anymore. He's a very different player to the one that we saw even just last season, isn't he? But yeah. let's focus a bit more on Sheffield United. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and no worries, Damo. I couldn't believe how quickly they. Uh, um, were able to score in the in the second half. Obviously, it's, I think it was like a minute into the second half that they. And have you heard a bigger roar from the away fans? Um, I'd love to get a, an audio uh, soundbite of that because that was a huge. When that Callum Robinson goal, yeah, went the, in. the Callum yeah. Robinson and goal. Didn't he just, love it too? That's you love to see that, don't you? Like those first couple of goals that Sheffield have scored back in the Premier League. The um, 
you had the Billy Sharp one in that first match against Bournemouth, and you've got Callum Robinson. Just seeing what it means. I mean, he's he's only um, a, a new player as well. Um, he's he's joined from Preston North End, made about a hundred appearances. Well, I from think them. he was one of the players that they broke their transfer record on, wasn't he? From oh memory? yeah, could have been. I mean, I think they, broke, they broke it, it twice. I think or, they broke it a few times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, like there's clearly a, a togetherness in this club. You see the way he celebrated as well. It's it's something to see. And I mean, going two down against a top six opposition, many newly promoted clubs would have just wilted at that yeah, and, and the way they stood up in the second half even though Chelsea sort of unraveled a little bit the way Sheffield stood up and got back into the game um, was really something do, do you think it bodes well for, for Sheffield United like they're, they're possibly looking like now the, the best prepared out of the three promoted sides to stay up it's just it's like it's really hard to think this far ahead when you're this, this early in the season but those points are huge points but when it comes to the second half because you know next time they play Chelsea they'll be playing Chelsea at home and it all starts to stack up in that second part of the season where you can steal a point, and they've stolen a point at Stamford Bridge. So that's a, yeah, it's a huge result. Yeah, this was this um, just a, a little fact for you boys. This was Chelsea's youngest ever starting eleven in a Premier League match. The average age was twenty four. That's uh, that's good for them. Like it's good that they're doing this now and it's getting looking those great. Young players like out some of there. those guys, like we mentioned, Mason Mount, it's looking great. Uh, Callum Hudson Odoi's just um, gone back to his first team training after four, like four months after doing his Achilles. Um, you know they've got some they've got some reason to be excited, and I, I personally think it will click for them this season. Um, and they'll they'll still definitely finish top six. Um, but yeah, definitely. I'm willing to say definitely. <laughs> uh, I, I did pick them, I think, to finish fourth or fifth. So I'm going to stick with that Conveniently can't remember. <laughs> Look, it's it's out there in print, <laughs> so I can't backtrack. Listen, we've got to fit West Ham and Leicester in there somewhere, so... <laughs> well, West Ham's doing pretty well. That's right, mate. But anyway, right. more on that later. One final <laughs> question on Chelsea, though. Um, look, do you think... Uh, is, is Kurt Zimmer actually sabotaging Chelsea's season because they didn't allow him a, a transfer to Chelsea? Uh, sorry, to Everton? <laughs> I actually feel a bit for Kurt Zuma. The poor guy can't catch a break. Um, and the, the the own goal that went in off him, I mean, that can happen to anyone. Um, and, and actually, I'd probably credit uh, Robinson more with that. He was the one who put that quite dangerous ball into the area. Like, um, And, and Lise Musa tried to claim the touch on it, but I mean, he was he, he didn't get a foot on it. But um, yeah, poor, poor Zuma. Heart goes out to the bloke. Poor bloke. Um, one of the other uh, promoted sides, uh, Aston Villa, was was in action as well on on Saturday against. Uh, they were hosted by Crystal Palace, um, and it was Jordan Ayew's goal that appeared to have um, sealed the pull, uh, sealed the points for high flying Palace. Um, but this game wasn't without controversy, though. Uh, Jack Grealish was judged to have uh, dived deep into injury time as Villa put the ball into the back of the net. Not only did the goal not stand, but Grealish was also booked. Boys. For me, this was an absolute clanger. What did you think? Friend becomes a villain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just trying, trying to follow that. Um, I, I looked at that incident and I thought, because I'm, I'm pretty hard on people when they blatantly dive, but in that situation, I was like, well... He's tried what, his best to stay on his feet, hasn't he? He's, he's fallen over. He was actually and it's fouled like, a couple of times in the lead yeah, up. Yeah, so. yeah and, it's like, and, and even if you, even if you don't blow that foul, then just let the game play on. Like if he's gone down and you're not sure, just let the game play on because yeah. they can do that with VAR. VAR. That was the that was probably the most bizarre thing about the decision was that you have VAR there so that you can go back and look at the tape if you need. You, why don't why not just let the goal? It's actually not very often that they do stop the game if like for simulation. Quite often, what they'll do is they'll they'll let the ball uh, or the ball go out for a goal kick or or a, uh, or a corner. And then they'll go back and they, if they're going to either talk to the player or book the player, then they do that and then they continue on with the game. But here, he's actually blown the foul and and then given it back the opposite way. Yeah, I don't. I was I was reading about this. I'm actually still a bit perplexed on the actual machinations of the VAR here because yeah, apparently they they couldn't review it because the whistle went bef- like before the ball went in the net, and so they were only looking at. Um, the potential penalty situation, which they judged no clear and obvious obvious error, and therefore they just stopped at that. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's yeah, weird, weird game, uh, a weird moment, I should say. Weird Although, decision making. 
I will say I do feel for uh, for Villa in this, and I think they did deserve their goal in the end. But Palace, like I think on balance of play, were were really the better team on the day. They dominated the first half. Yes, uh, the the Trezeguet red card early in the second half changed the game. Palace had a, a period of sustained pressure after that, and actually good on Ayu for getting that goal as well. He got past Mings, who's just been called up to the England squad, uh, and Grealish as well, beating them all, beating them both um, through a. You know, a bit of individual brilliance to get his goal as well um, after scoring that goal to get a point against United the week before. Um, what a bargain he was at, you know, two million pounds or whatever they paid for him. And Everyone kind of wrote him off as well, didn't they? Including me. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of us here on the pod wrote him off. Yeah, when he first got called on, you thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, and now he's really proving everyone wrong. And boys, Palace are quietly in fourth at the moment. Um, didn't we all put them on a... I was going to say, didn't we all put them down for being relegated? I but put them to be in a, a relegation battle, scrap, I think. Yeah. But pretty sure I had them in fourth, so. Easy. And we've probably all seen that um, that form chart as well that's been doing the rounds um, this week where Palace are actually fourth in their last uh, 15 Premier League games on form as well. So, uh, you know, good on Palace. Um, you know, quiet, quietly just uh, going about their business at the moment, winning two, drawing two. They haven't dropped a game yet. So well, This is the same team that looked... Everyone was saying, "Oh, yeah, they they rely so much on Zahar, and if he leaves, they're 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 stuffed." And like their first game of the season, I think he didn't start, and he didn't really look himself. And expect that they'll revert to the mean. Obviously, I'm not saying that Palace are going to finish in the top six. Everyone, but look, um, stranger things have happened. You know, they're they're just they they do deserve a little bit of credit at the moment. Is all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Moving on, though, uh, in one of the other matches, uh, Leicester hosted Bournemouth. In uh, this was curious, I guess, because it was a, I guess, a, an interesting test for both teams to see sort of where they're at, and um, became pretty clear. I we thought, saw it. Yeah, exactly. Like we saw that Bournemouth are kind of struggling a little bit at the moment, but um, but Leicester, they they look really good at the moment, don't they? Tommy sees Leicester. Yep, and uh, they're actually uh, well compared to. Uh, They're in third it? at the moment, Tommy. Yep. They're exceeding <laughs> even your lofty <laughs> expectations of them. Thank you, mate. I was struggling through. Looking no, through I got you. I got you. Um, but yeah, like uh, so, Jamie Vardy's beautifully taken lob uh, was just that's my favourite goal of the weekend. That is quintessential Leicester long ball over the top and uh, just a delicious finish from Vardy. I say, like a leopard can't change its spots, and yeah, that was like you say, that was to a T, to a T, Jamie Vardy. Um, he got another one though, and then it was uh, uh, Tillman's that killed off the game in the 70th minute. Um, but for me, there was a—I mentioned it before in uh, my own goal um, for the week was uh, one of them was Tillman's not getting sent off in this game because I think if this was another game, like I think it was uh, similar tackle that Billings didn't get sent off for. I think it was last week or the week before for, for Bournemouth. And there was another tackle as well where someone did get sent off. Um, and it's not really that far off of what Endone got sent off for last week as well. For me, I thought it was a pretty clear red card. And I was really... I think if he doesn't go off, it changes the game massively for that team as well. So for the, the listeners... Sort of starts to lose its head a little bit, um, that kind of thing. So the fact that he stayed on and then ended up scoring the third goal as well for Leicester. Yeah, I think Bournemouth would uh, be, pretty, uh, be pretty annoyed about how that game panned out. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I was pretty happy for Tillemans to stay on there. I don't actually think because you've he, got him in fantasy. Or? I don't actually think he was going in for a, a like a, a challenge on. The, like he was, he was trying to put his body in the way of the ball and just happened to come down with his studs on the bloke's ankle. Like he wasn't actually going in. He wasn't sliding in for a challenge. He was actually turning at the time, and his foot just happened to fall on the other bloke's <laughs> oh, ankle. Jeez, you're you're a, like the king of the the Tillemans apologists, aren't you? <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were doing that tongue in cheek, like as as a G up, or because I'm like, you've got this massive grin unfo- on your face. It was an unfortunate well. landing, but I, I I I'm happy that he didn't get sent off for that. So right now, Jamie Vardy's having a party, but I'm I'm going to sort of jump in here and just point out a few of the upcoming fixtures for Leicester. Go so, on. So we've got Manchester United. Um, well, they'll win that one. They'll can, win that one. They? They can't. That's in a way though. That's an Old Trafford visit. Um, then they then the following week they play against Spurs. Um, that's home game for Leicester. Then they play against Newcastle at home again, then against Liverpool away. So a, a pretty tough run of fixtures coming up, uh, you'd have to say, on paper for, for Leicester. So you might argue that they've just been flat-track bullying their way through the start of the, the season. Well, probably probably not an inaccurate assumption or observation there, but, um, yeah, I think we are really going to see 
what they're what they're made of and um I think they're thereabouts when it comes to the Arsenal's and Man United and Chelsea's at the moment, but it's a different kettle of fish when you're playing Liverpool and, and City. And, uh, yeah, we, we're really going to see how good they are. They're a bit a more... Weeks. I'd say they're a little bit more settled as far as an overall squad than someone like Arsenal and, and people... Well, probably more balanced, yeah. Yeah, so... We'll see. <laughs> mm, um, Manchester City hosted uh, Brighton in... To be honest, uh, I've haven't really seen many unre- many more unremarkable four 0 victories um, than than this one. Uh, Sergio Aguero, David Silva, and Kevin De Bruyne basically combined to dismantle Brighton in this one for what was a pretty comfortable four 0 victory. Um, most newsworthy, though, in terms of the title race and the the broader season context, though, was Enric Laporte going off with a what looks as though a, as a reasonably serious knee injury, though, after about half an hour, four um, months, I think. He's going to be on the sideline for so that's that's absolutely massive, huge loss. Like in, in the last eighteen months, he's been the only bolted-on uh, City defender. So and last last uh, season when they did have um, problems at centre back, they had company that they could just bring in, and he actually performed really well last season. They don't have him. Stones is only just coming back from injury himself, yeah. so that leaves Otamendi really as the only fit senior centre back there. And so. I think that's an issue. And Pep's already been fielding questions about whether or not uh, Fernandinho will, will play as a centre-back. And look, we know that he's capable of, of doing that, but you, you normally see him sort of slotting in between two centre-backs or something like that. I'd, I'd see this not necessarily ending in tears, but I can see that City are going to be vulnerable vulnerable over, especially in the next two two or three weeks. And like if, 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 four if months, that's that takes you up to January. Mm. That That is not like that. I mean, we have to underline that. That is... Absolutely, mate. They, you know, they might have to go back. They might have to go to the market in January if if it's um if it's getting really bad and if they can't rely or if they get another injury. Yeah, they they're going to be in trouble. Let's just hope Fernandinho's um transition from uh, CDM to centre back is as smooth as Tommy Close on a Sunday. <laughs> hey all, um, S- similar players. <laughs> Manchester City in their in the next three games they they go away to Norwich, they host Watford, and then they play Everton away. They're pre- three pretty generous, probably other than the Everton away fixtures, a little bit of a banana skin. But those other two matches, you'd have to say, geez, they're lucky they don't have like a, a Liverpool or a... Yeah, but that's another. just their next three games, Tommy. I mean, they've got... They're, they're going to have Champions League coming up that they're going to want to go deep into. They're going to be presumably going deep in the Cups. Um, you know, mm. this is this is really going to play out, over, not just in the short term, but over the next couple of months. It's a good point though, Tommy, because they don't meet um, anyone in the, in the sort of... Category of big Billy, hitters yeah. um, until the tenth of November, which, wow. is, which is Liverpool at Anfield, which does play into the hands somewhat. But yeah, I take your point, Colby. That yeah, there's a lot of football to be played, and like, really, do we all think that Fernandinho could play twenty games between now and November? And I mean, you, know, you never know. Pep. He could he could turn a uh, Fernandinho or even a Rodri or someone like that into a you know a, a great centre back. You never know. I would not be surprised if he just plugged it up in in, in some sort of semi unexpected way. This is an important period for, for City though, like because before the tenth of November they're playing against a, a few teams that you'd expect them to get points off. But really interesting, like you've got Liverpool on the tenth of November, then you've got the following week they play Chelsea, Newcastle away, Burnley away, Man United at home and then they've got Arsenal straight after that and Leicester. So um, a pretty uh, pretty tough fixture list going into Christmas. Do you, do you think that it could mean that they actually go away from a back four and maybe to a back three where someone like Kyle Walker could sort of and, and has slotted in as a as a third central defender? Yeah, not not too not, sure. Look, not out of the realms of possibility. Yeah, nothing would surprise me with with Pep, and uh, we, you know we know he has experimented with with back three, threes from time to time. So, uh, cool. uh, can we get a word on Kun though? Um, he's just gone to top active scorer in the Premier League with 170 goals. Um, he's only there's only five um, p- players ahead of him in history for goals in the Premier League. He's pretty. He's still underrated, isn't he? Which is weird. Like, I think he's rated. Like, I'm pretty sure he's rated. Yeah. No, no, but but people don't talk about him in the same way that they talk about Harry Kane and stuff like that, right? It's because oh. he, he's just not on the. Well, actually, I was going to say he's he's, on, he's not on the pitch that much, but neither is Kane. But um, <laughs> no, but uh, Aguero um. It's sort of similar to FIFA, uh, Colby, where somebody gets in a certain position, and they just pull the trigger, and it's, it's top corner every time with Aguero, and that's how it felt the other day. It was like every time he got himself in a little bit of space, he just he just knows how to get power and precision in the top corner. He just he doesn't score bottom corner goals that much. It's just all power, and he's probably the, I'd say probably one of the best in the league at that at that particular goal as well. 
I think all goals on the weekend uh, on that game were pretty much the same thing. They're all just city goals. Just Aguero they? putting them into the top yeah. side netting, yeah. like out of reach completely. <laughs> just trying to get in the bucket or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Newcastle also hosted uh, Watford in what was another draw this weekend. Um, this looked as though it might be uh, Javi Gracia's best opportunity to get his first win of the season as well. Um, and it looked good for Watford with Will Hughes taking the lead uh, within about 90 seconds of the game starting. Uh, however, Fabian Shah leveled things up, meaning that uh, the points ended up being shared between the two sides. Um, it does mean, mean that the points were shared. Yeah, I'll stick at that. <laughs> I, was, I was like, please. How did I miss that? <laughs> yeah. How did I miss that? <laughs> I, was, I was ready to pull the trigger I saw, there. I saw your eyes flash <laughs> when you said that, Jesse. <laughs> Um, but it did mean that, that Watford uh, got off the mark, if only a single uh, solitary point, though. Um, was uh, Watford host Arsenal before going to Manchester City and then uh, and then Wolverhampton as well? That, so that's another two games, really, before I think they're going to get any points. Um, that would mean six games with a, uh, with a single point. Is uh, Javi Gracia going to last until the Wolves game? Or what I'll- do you think? There'll be some serious pressure on him after this. I yeah. mean, both, uh, like you mentioned, Tommy, at the top there, both managers would have seen this as a winnable fixture. But yeah, a lot of pressure on uh, having grass here. It almost doesn't help either team, the fact that they drew, does it? Like, they're only just holding on. Psychologically, they're right in the bottom as well. So, that, they did last, I think, at the moment. So Yeah, yeah, by still by two points, which, I mean, already there's a little bit of a gap developing, which is ridiculous to say. Um. They can but feel a little bit hard done by uh, with the uh, Shah goal. Um, uh, had a handball in the lead up that VAR missed. Um, you know, Watford, bit of a shard call, was it? Or Yeah. <laughs> Watford arguably, um, you know, should have and could have got more out of that. But, I mean, neither of these teams really looked like they deserved um, the win on, on the balance of play. That, you know, it, looked give, a, it was a pretty even contest. Zero points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it looked, to me, this looked like it could have even been a relegation six-pointer um, in, in the performance <sighs> that both of these teams put in. No one looked particularly impressive for me. Wouldn't that early days be already talking about that kind of thing? But, I mean, both teams have not set the world alight um, thus far, have they? And I'm a big Watford fan, but, uh, look, they, they, they have not impressed, team at the moment, they have though, not impressed they? me this season. They they just look a shadow of, of, you know, the high that they were riding last season. Why do you think that is? Have, 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 has it just gone stale at, at Watford under Harvey Gracia? Or? I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think you could also... You could also say that the teams that have just come up um, are showing more enthusiasm, it seems, than Watford. And I guess you could also say that Watford's been a bit unlucky with Deeney being out as well. Um, but, yeah, still there's enough good players in that team to have yeah, a better it's account. It's largely think, the so. same team that, um, you know, finished 11th last season. So, yeah, you really you really can't put your finger on it at this point. But they're going to have to put their finger on something soon. Um, just a like a stat that I've got uh, for Newcastle boys, um, their, their crowd at this game, at you know, it was a home game for Newcastle, was 44,000. So sounds pretty good, pretty high, but Newcastle obviously but. known for having the, one of the biggest home attendances um, going around, even when they were relegated to the championship. Um, so this is their lowest crowd in seven years. Is that a bit of an issue? Well, bit of bit of apathy from the Newcastle fans in the Steve Bruce era. There, there was talk of there being fan boycotts and the like when uh, Rafa left, and I I wonder if that is starting to bite a little bit. I mean, Watford's not really a marquee fixture for them, but I mean, I don't think they they, they don't really have that sort of fair weather support where oh, it depends who they're playing. That's what I mean. They're still getting fifty five thousand in yeah. the championship. So look, I. I would. My guess is that yeah, some of those sort of uh, boycotts are starting to bite a little bit. But and that, and that could really be the canary in the coal mine in a way, like that kind of stuff that starts to happen. You wouldn't be too bad in the A League if you had fans boycotting you still had forty four thousand. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. what we wouldn't give for forty four thousand, just yeah. at any game, just yeah. at any regular home season game. But look, uh, speaking of the canaries, uh, West Ham hosted uh, Norwich in. Nice, nice assist there, fellas. Uh, West Ham hosted uh, Norwich uh, on in one of the, the midday kickoffs. Was surprised you left this so low on the run order, Tommy. Oh, well, look, it was a pretty run of the mill uh, victory, oh. I guess, really for West Ham. Um, Sebalier scored again after some uh, some tidy work up uh, lead up play from uh, Masuaku, and Yamalenko scored his first goal after returning from that long injury layoff as well. What a tasty goal it was too. You love to see a volley like that. Real juicy, juicy volley, wasn't it? 
He um, really um, let go on it, didn't he? Oh! But um, but the the this was actually a case of them actually rolling out the claret carpet because I remember a week aside talked about them rolling it out. And you said technically it wasn't a home fixture for for him. So can we say this week, Tommy, that they actually rolled out the claret carpet for him for Yarmolenko for Alia? What? With you know how no, you... he played in against City, didn't he? Uh, I don't have to review the tape. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Not sure where you headed with this one. This is great <laughs> content, boys. <laughs> this is quality content, boys. <laughs> but look, uh, this was uh, interesting from from the perspective that West Ham were actually very comprehensive in this one and didn't really give Norwich much of a sniff. And I thought um, Norwich weren't weren't bad by any means, but they definitely didn't Wasn't really take day. the game. No, they didn't mm. really take the game to West Ham and. Uh, West Ham kind of just sort of snuffed the game out a little bit as well and didn't really give them a hell of a lot of opportunity to get into it. So, um, yeah, a little bit concerning, I guess, for Norwich that the bubble might have already burst. Do you, can um, we say this is probably because Colby put Timmy Puki in his fantasy team? Yeah. I screwed. actually think that's exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> and I told you it was going to happen too. Um, but I still picked him. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, but really, do you think the uh, the Norwich bubble has burst? Oh. Have they run out of enthusiasm already? Oh, look, I think it's probably a bit of a flat day for Norwich. Um, I Couldn't mean, get fired c- up for the big West Ham game. You could put that down to Isidi up marshalling Pookie or, or whatever, you know, however you want to put it. But uh, look, I think that uh, Campbell, Bondia, Pookie <laughs> all had a little bit of an off day. Uh, Tim Krull down the other end was doing his bit. He made a few really good saves. Yeah, and good uh, Zimmerman at the start of the game had that really great block that he got quite excited about. Um, but yeah, I think, look, off day, let's put it down to an off day for Norwich. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they'll I think they'll get up again. What a bizarre moment, the one that, the ball that just went over, uh, Camwell, Cantwell's um, head. Yeah. It's very that, close that goes, to being a goal. Well, that goes in and it's it's probably a bit of a different game, isn't mm. it? Um, by the time West Ham scored the, the second goal, it was kind of all over from there and there was a, a significant shift in the intensity that Norwich were putting out there. So um yeah, interesting one. But uh, speaking of uh, of interest, though, uh, you'll remember Chicharito. It looks like he's off to Spain. He's uh, likely to be signed by Sevilla um, before the before the deadline closes. So um, West Ham obviously get his his quite high wages off the books, but they're like looking like they're going to get about seven million pounds for him as well, which is not bad bad money for for a player that's not particularly young. And look. We all know he's a he's great in the in the penalty area, but outside of that, he's pretty useless. So, um, more more money for uh, for West Ham to to reinvest maybe in another another strike or another. The clean out continues. Yep, it it does. And look, I, I mean, I was one one of those West Ham fans that thought uh, Chicharito. Yep, he's going to score twenty goals in a season. Um, he's he's gonna he's gonna be what West Ham have been looking for for the last five five years or or more. And it just hasn't really worked out in the end, and um, yeah. And Tommy, just um, while we're still talking about West Ham, uh, can't what, hook it into my veins, mate. What happened to uh, your man Jack Wilshire, who was going to be the uh, the critical part of the West Ham puzzle this season, mate? I couldn't really care to be honest. Um, Oi, cold, I know. But look, um, as as per the beginning of last season, when Jack Wilshire was on the pitch, West Ham are a very different side, particularly defensively we just don't have the same mobility and it's weird to say but Mark Noble seems to provide us with a hell of a lot more mobility through the the middle of the pitch he didn't even make the bench in this game where is he yeah it's a little bit concerning he did play well like reasonably well in the cup game uh, midweek but I mean we talked Mm. about Zlatan coming in and being like a a flat track bully I, I think it's um, Jack Wilshere is probably a little bit overpaid to be to being used as a, a flat track bully for for cup games, but that's looking like that that's his role at the moment. And look, he maybe it is just a matter of oh, we're just gonna give him sort of half an hour here and there, um, and he'll he'll get on. Um, but he's not really gonna start in the Premier League for maybe another month or so. But um, yeah, it's. A little bit concerning, I guess, probably for for Jack most of all. I mean, I'm I'm happy at the moment. When West got, Ham's winning. When you've got Carlos Sanchez getting on uh, ahead of you, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, different different players, different positions, but anyway. S- still. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, look on to your beloved Liverpool now, though, gents. Um, this was uh, this was the late kickoff on on Saturday um, at at Burnley's home ground, uh, Turf Moor, and this game has been, a, I guess, a major banana skin for Liverpool in recent years. But it's sort of not so much anymore. Like uh, Liverpool's now appears to be much more comfortable going to to places like um, Turf Moor and. Um, in the end, it was a reasonably sort of comfortable 3-0 victory for uh, for Liverpool. Uh, a Chris Wood own goal, although whether or not it was an own goal or not. Are you going to do it or? <laughs> no, I'll leave this one to you, Cops. <laughs> we'll, we'll I was just about to... to fire up the cross-come <laughs> <Yeah>. shot, Claxon. <laughs> <laughs> there it well, is. Boys, do you want me to actually uh, play you what uh, Klopp had to say at the uh, in the presser? Yeah, Please. go on. Jürgen, you said before the match it's a unique test in this league that you faced. What did you make of the way your players came through it? Brilliant. <laughs> they did really well. Um, just all the game. It's uh, so many 50-50 situations because of the uh, many long balls. But we, we, had, we had direction today in the game as well. So we, uh, we played as well. Uh, early balls in behind, tried to go for second balls. Um, played in, in moments really, really good football. Had triangles on the wing. Passing options, um, runs, offers, everything was there. Of course, the first goal, <laughs> maybe Trent will tell us he wanted it. <laughs> I think he was a little disappointed to know that it had gone down as an own goal. Kidding. Not my decision, but yeah, that's what they've decided, Premier League. I've ruined it now. <laughs> how, how is that possible? Well, it takes a deflection off Chris Wood's back. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Okay. okay, oh, good. They do anyway what they want. Um, um, yeah, good. Um, but uh, okay, they were a bit lucky with their own goal. Um, but anyway, uh, we forced that situation. Yeah. So look, I know the the viewers, uh, the listeners can't uh, can't see Klopp's facial expression there, but that is that is a delight uh, that that presser there. And I'm not one that normally gets around a lot of the press conferences all the time. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But that that was uh, a genuine uh, golden moment for me. Where's his heart on his sleeve, our Kloppo? <laughs> it's interesting, you know. I watched that and thought, wow, I can see how Klopp could be. Um, like sort of semi-serious on the training pitch and if you wanted to really bollock you, he he could. like, And it's not a side that you often see of, of Klopp, is that sort of scary side, but I've got a bit of a glimpse into uh, behind the, I guess, the, the man behind the machine. It's just that genuine concern, you know, I need to go find Trent. <laughs> Boys, the other interesting thing about this game, though, was um, the sort of possible bust-up between Mane and Salah. Um, is all well at Liverpool, you think, at the moment between those two? Or is this just a bit of a mountain out of a molehill type Yeah, type I'm not, not having this. I'm not having this, Tommy. Uh, look, Klopp really said it right. He sort of played it down. He, I mean, if, if anything, he was more annoyed that, that Mane reacted sort of outwardly, publicly like that. But really, he, he's not going to be telling Salah to change how he plays. He's not going to be telling um, Mane to be any less passionate and, and want the ball any less. You've got three guys that he sends out there to just play their way and want the ball and, and want to score goals, basically. And he, he gave the example that he, he said, look, you know, I can recall at least five or six situations where everyone thought, pass it, pass it, and, you know, he ends up scoring. Um, and, and that's really that. Um, that that's... Really, you know, as opposed to the the, um, the opposite view is the the Guardiola robot style, you know, just you know, fifteen passes and, and you know, tapping for <laughs> Sterling, and that's a perfectly valid way to play, but that's not Klopp's way. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, and I also think that um, Salah is like he's a greedy player to get the amount of goals that he's got. He's had to be greedy in many situations. Um, to well, back all yourself. the time, it just comes off, doesn't it? So well, it's fine. Yeah, and, and it's it, not under nines. Like you don't have to pass it <laughs> to, but, to but, your mate. But like, it, but, but what? It <laughs> but it is. It is. Um, it's funny actually with the commentary in these games how people react. I mean, because I actually believe that the commentators can influence the articles, which then influence people and what they think, and mm. so. I, what I noticed about the coverage is that all they were talking about is he's just got to pass it there, he's just got to pass it there, and then obviously the coverage showed Mane blowing up. But when I looked at it first time and also on the replays, I thought, 
it's all happening so fast. Salah's got a split second to be like, am I going to pass to him? It almost looks like he doesn't back that he's going to get the pass past the Burnley defenders and then he takes the touch and tries to have a shot. And it's like that happens so fast. We've all played football. I mean, obviously we play at the same speed as the Premier League. <laughs> um, and, um, Virtually the same games, to be honest. But, but I mean, it, it, it is a split me. second decision. And... Uh, and and if, if Salah had buried it in the bottom right, then nobody would have had this conversation. So, I mean, I, I felt for Mane, but at the same time, I just thought that I, as soon as it happened, I thought this is just going to be perfect for the journalists because it's going to give them a, week, a week's worth of stories. And people are talking about Mane and Salah, but they really should just be talking about Firmino. He was the real star of this game. Um, grabbed, grabbed a goal, an assist, um, first Brazilian to 50 goals. Uh, like, he, he just... In the Premier League, in the Premier not League. just ever. Not ever. Um, there, you know, there are others. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, he. And when we say this, we say this from time to time, but he is a really um, unsung hero of that team. Um, the, him, the work him. he does and and the way he draws defenders and his movement, um, yeah, incredible. It makes the team click, doesn't he? He sets the press as well and triggers the press, and yeah. Um, speaking of uh, of triggered though, uh, Everton Everton have conceded a goal at home. Boys, uh, this is a bit of a, an odd game. Uh, Everton uh, hosted Wolves um, in, I guess, the what some might have called the or labelled the the Everton Cup uh, playoff. Um, Meanwhile, Leicester are just holding it in third. Yeah, well, they're, they're in a Champions League spot. They're, they're not. They've they don't care about the Everton Cup anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, so Everton uh, reigned supreme as they uh, hosted a fatigued Wolves. Um, Wolves made some character un- sorry uncharacteristic errors mm. um, as their European adventures uh, look as though they're clearly playing a role. Um, by the by, the twelfth minute mark in this one, it was already two one to Everton, which uh, yeah, shows how this one was a bit of a, a roller coaster. Um, but again, there, there was uh, there was no more goal action uh, until Jimenez leveled things up on the seventy fifth minute. But again, it didn't stay that way for very long uh, as. Uh, and there's a hole in my notes here. Go on, uh, Tommy. <laughs> um, but it was uh, Hichalison who who managed to to take the. Uh, it's a cr- cracking header. This one, yeah, it was great, great little goal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so look, this was it was an odd game for Wolves in this one. The fact that they not only they conceded three goals, but they made errors at the back. Just didn't look like the the same wolves that we saw last year, did it? Just yeah, that's con- that's concerning. I mean, we, I think you said it, Tommy. Um, they they are, I don't know if it's fatigue or in this particular game they just weren't sort of um, they didn't they didn't sort of wake up until ten minutes in. That can happen. Teams can start games slowly, but we did we did think that this might happen for Wolves down the track because they they don't like rotating. They're going to have to rotate. Same um, thing happened with uh, with Burnley last season, and I mean they're not. Not the same team, but I mean, they're both similar in the sense that they both have small squads as well. And it's still coming thick and fast for Wolves. They've got Chelsea away, then they've got Braga at home in the um, uh, Europa League. Then they've got Palace away, then Reading at home in the Cup, then Watford at home. Um, yeah, it's 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 all happening. So um, yeah, they're going to have to get used to it and, and pretty quick. I mean, I'm purely speculating, but I mean, unless there's some kind of shortage of Bakelau. Uh, codfish in the region. I mean, there's a lot of Portuguese players in the team, so that could bring down morale. But um, I would you think s- some of them may not make it on the plane back to back to England. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there could be a shortage, <laughs> and that could be reflected in the performances. But um, uh, un- uncharacter- uncharacteristic is the is the word that I think he used before, and I agree with that. Hui uh, in goal didn't have a particularly good game, and he's usually pretty sound. And um, I mean, Bolly to get red carded completely needlessly, really at the end. Um, that, that was that, a really stupid challenge, wasn't it? Yeah, that'll that'll certainly annoyed the manager. Well, he uh, I guess won't be won't be fatigued for their next game, given that he'll uh, he'll he'll miss a week. Um, but yeah, so that uh, that rounds up the Premier League, though. Uh, next up, the FFA Cup. Majewski might fancy it. Here. Oh boy, did he fancy it! What a finish from the Polish number ten. Okay, uh, midweek, uh, there was the, the final uh, round of the FFA Cup. Uh, round of, what was this, round of 16? 16, uh, Round of 16 games, and uh, we, uh, Colby and I, made sure that we, we got down to the pub to watch uh, watch Colby's Brisbane Raw play. Um, didn't pan out. What a how, moment. Yeah, it didn't, didn't pan out exactly like uh, Colby would have liked. 
Um, but it was an entertaining night nonetheless. Uh, first of all, entertaining um, before the game even got started. It was so <laughs> it was so difficult for us to actually get this game on TV because it was on KO and the pub didn't have the KO license and um, we did nothing illegal. Um, but you know there was there were some steps involved before that we could actually watch it on someone's laptop and then eventually on the on the big screen at the pub. But we had the other games going as well, so it was sort of like we we're in the we we're in the bunker for this one and <laughs> and watching about three games simultaneously. So we were able to see uh, Sydney United get dismantled by uh, Western Sydney Wanderers seven one, uh, which was probably the the most noteworthy game of the round. Um, Not before uh, full time with the uh, Fox Sports censorship, censorship scandal when they they cut away from the the Sydney United game because things started to get a bit too heated. Do you, do you reckon it was uh, things getting too heated, or do you reckon it was uh, because the the flares started going off in the crowd? Oh yeah, actually, it could have been that too. Oh, I, I suspect it could have been that, but I don't know. There so was that's a worry though. Like, so, so could conversation could've... for another day, but that's a that's a bit of a worry. Though. True, it's almost its own segment in itself, yeah. isn't it? Um, but yeah, so Western Sydney obviously progress. Um, uh, Hume uh, they beat Adelaide uh, Adelaide Olympic three one. A little bit tongue-tied there. Uh, and Brisbane Strikers beat uh, Manly United 1-0. Uh, in the game that we watched, though, uh, Brisbane drew 2 all with Central Coast Mariners, and that ended up going to penalties. How did uh, the penalty shootout go, Colby? It did not go well. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Birrigitte, the uh, new Central Coast Mariners goalkeeper, was the, the hero in this one. Um, but... Saved two pretty savable penalties, um, yeah, from uh, the the skipper on the night, uh, Tom Aldred, um, and there, there was another one he saved that didn't look terribly uh, convincingly taken either. So uh, yeah, Central Coast on on the penalty shootout, they were definitely deserved winners. Um, they they played quite well. I, I thought I, I was happy with the way Brisbane played in this game, but yeah, yeah, you would say on on the penalty shootout, they they deserve to win that. And look, very interestingly, it means that um, Alan Stadich's team has now actually beaten uh, what two two A League opponents in the FFA Cup this year. Which normally they go out against an NPL uh, team in the in the first game that they play. So uh, yeah, great for them. Um, Good news story for the Central Coast. Yeah, they don't get many, do they? Absolute <laughs> giant killers. Yeah. Uh, do you think they could actually take out the the comp? Or because they're playing an MPL team now in the next round, uh, they're, they're, they're going out? Well, if they're anything like Brisbane, who um, beat the champions of the A-League, Sydney, in the round of 32, then lost to last year's Wooden Spooners, the Central Coast Mariners, in the round of 16, and then following that in their next preseason game, beat uh, last year's runners-up, Perth Glory, uh, who were fielding their A-team against the Brisbane Raw B-team. So, you know, if they're anything like uh, Brisbane's performance, yeah, they'll probably drop, drop it to an MPL team. <laughs> Robbie Fowler just preparing their roller. Coast of preseason oh, highs yeah. and lows, <laughs> plenty and plenty. Of them. <laughs> but look, um, speaking of of uh, of highs, uh, the probably the well, actually, this was a bit of a low light for me. Uh, Colby, what did you think of the the Palmer at uh, the the Quarry Hotel in Brunswick? Oh, mate, uh, a bit of. I mean, they call they would call it Napoli sauce, but it, it tastes like tomato sauce concentrate out of a, a, Ooh. a tin for me. So, Ooh, uh, ouch! So more of a tomato. Paste. It was more of a tomato paste kind of action. I thought uh, somebody's taken the um, the pizza pasta sauce. I mean, put it this way: it's it. no imperial parma. Agreed. D- also, didn't have enough cheese for me, but look. lack of steroids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, no, it was it was a it was a good night though. Um, if if nothing else, it was entertaining. Um, was it? There's uh, that. Uh, there's what another four games to be played in the FFA Cup. Uh, Adelaide host Newcastle. Hume City play uh, Central Coast. Uh, Melbourne City host uh, Western City Wanderers, and Brisbane Strikers play Moreland Zebras. Mon the Strikers. Well, yeah. Do, who who do you think is going to be uh, the uh, the MPL team that's going to make it through to the the next round? Could there well, be two? Could the strikers, two are, the, the strikers are playing at home, right? so I don't, I don't mind that. Uh, you know, to, I, I don't know. Don't, don't follow Moreland Zebras closely enough to know how they travel. But uh, I'm not going to jump on the Moreland the game uh, bandwagon. It's <laughs> good from you, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, being right. the local team as well. Strikers could do it at home. Excellent. So, um, all right, uh, boys, uh, we'll we'll move on then to the uh, uh, FPL. Uh, roundup before we wrap things up. Alrighty, and finally this week we're going to do uh, a fantasy Premier League roundup for for game week four. 
Um, the consistent leader uh, thus far this season has been Daniel Baker's NFFC Portugueses. Uh, they've been reeled in, though. Uh, Killian Carthy's Venga Bus has stormed into the overall lead with 69 points this week. Um, closely followed, though, by Lee Whitney's Hurricanes' epic 108 points this week. Jeez. Shout out to Lee Whitney. Yeah. Uh, and look, her, her team this week, uh, she, she... Oh, is it? Sorry, Lee. Um, he uh, <laughs> he uh, he triple captained Aguero, which meant that his forty eight points was bigger than my overall team score this week. So yeah, thanks that's for a good, that. That's a very good shout. Yep. Uh, the, those results also mean that uh, Daniel Baker's NF, NFFC Portugueses drop into third place. Um, but whilst that's sort of the overall table, you're probably wondering, look, who out of the more than a game are uh, uh, sort of pod hosts and the like? Who's winning out of them? You have to scroll for a bit. Oh, well, no, no, you don't. Actually, George is actually doing really well. He's, um, he got 87 points this week, which puts him into ninth place overall. So, yeah, George is, George is doing pretty well at the moment. We will get George back on the uh, back on the pod pretty soon. But I, I will, before he can have a chance to defend himself, I will say that this is surprising to us. Uh, at more than a game because uh, in our draft league, George is actually a bit of a bunny, but uh, looks like he knows what he's doing in regular fantasy. Not, not just picking his luck. <laughs> well, he also captain Aguero, so that helps. That yeah. really helps. Oh, he's got De Bruyne as well. He vice captain, so that was uh, and Vardy. Yeah, wowie. Oof. All right. Well, look that that pretty much wrapped things uh, things up this uh, this week. Um, thanks everyone for listening. There's there's plenty of uh, football to come. Although obviously the Premier League takes a week off, but yeah, it'll be the the Socceroos, um, and the football world doesn't stop. So there'll be more for us to discuss in the coming weeks. And Tommy, you and I will be going on our own international break. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, I'll be away for for two weeks, so Colby's I'll be I'll be to cobbling <laughs> together whoever I can get to come on the pod, phoning a friend, quite literally phoning a few people. <laughs> In, uh, but there'll there'll be podcasts, listeners. We'll we'll be here. Football never sleeps. And I think we're returning to our regular uh, Sunday night upload as well this week. Uh, being that we've just done the three peat, obviously we were in no shape to record a podcast yesterday. But uh, yeah, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. See you next week. See ya. See ya.